Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. So before we get rolling, I want to give you us to think back of something that happened between Solomon and the Lord. In 2 Chronicles 1, Solomon uh, asked the Lord if he could, he said, Lord, give me wisdom on how to rule these people well, to rule the Israelites well. And so the Lord told him that since he did not ask for riches and wealth and honor for himself, then he said, then what I will give you is not only the wisdom you asked for, but I will also give you riches, wealth, and honor and there will be no king like you. you. There will be no king that has ever lived the way you are going to live with all this stuff. And so that's what the Lord gave to him. So now though, here in 1 Kings 10, we're going to see that the Lord is going to make good on his promise to give this to him abundantly. And the Lord does that. The Lord does give to people abundantly. And I'm not going into prosperity preaching here, but the Lord, when he says, I'll bless you abundantly, he will. However, the way Solomon starts taking this stuff is going to turn into a whole nother story that we're going to get into in 1 Kings 10. And it's something we all need to pay close attention to because God blesses all of us in various ways. You've got to be careful on how you utilize what he gives you. So we're going to follow that here in 1 Kings 10 and now verse 1. It says, now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels that bore spices, very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. Now, I want to show you this map of Sheba here. You can see Sheba down there at the bottom. That's in uh, modern-day Yemen. It's the southernmost part of Saudi Arabia. It's about 1,200 miles from Jerusalem. So she did quite a trip to get all the way up there. Now, I want you to remember, at the end of chapter 9, Solomon had gotten a fleet of ships from King Hiram that it said. He had this fleet of ships, and obviously those ships would start uh, shipping in trade and maybe even expeditions. Uh, There were these ships is how the news got to the queen. And so hearing about this great king, probably through shipping, call it outreach, if you will, it really intrigued her curiosity to see if this king was as great as what she'd heard about. Now, those of you Jesus parallel ringers, your little alarm should be going off right about now. Outreach for the great king causes people to want to know who he is. Okay? Hold that. If this king was as great as she'd heard about, she knew that having a relationship would bring a lot of more blessing back. And that's why she went. 1 Kings 10 and 4. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built... 
the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Then she said to the king, it was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw them with my own eyes. And indeed, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men and happy are these your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. Now, guys, there's one big thing right there. The Lord loves Israel forever. That was yesterday. That was before yesterday. That was tomorrow and after tomorrow. He loves them forever. And this pagan woman that didn't even believe could recognize this. She could see it. I wish more Christians today would start to see this about Israel. More people need to recognize this. But she discovered that King Solomon was, man, way past anything she'd ever been told. It was, the, the reports didn't even do it justice. And his servants actually loved him, and they were actually glad to work for him. Typically, when you see the word slave in the Bible, people don't like that word, but that means a servant, and they actually enjoyed it. They liked serving King Solomon, They're glad to be there. But most of all, his wisdom was far more than anyone else. And wisdom is very good to have because it gains you so much. Wisdom goes a long way. So you got to consider the region that the queen was from, way down there, as that map showed. And it was in a region that was most likely pagan, did not believe in the Lord God of Israel the way the Israelites did. And her discovery of Solomon caused her to recognize who the Lord God of Israel is. Now, friends, we have an outreach, and we need to help, help people understand who the Lord God of Israel is. Do you see that picture in here? And that the Lord God loves His people Israel. 1 Kings 10 and 10. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold, spices in great quantity, and precious stones. There never again came such abundance of spices as the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Also, the ships of Hiram, which brought gold from Ophir, brought great quantities of almug wood and precious stones from Ophir. And the king made steps of the almug wood for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, also harps and stringed instruments for singers. There never again came such almug wood, nor has the like been seen to this day. Now, King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all she desired, whatever she asked besides what Solomon had given her according to the royal generosity. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. Okay, so Queen Sheba's head just went, (laughs) she couldn't believe how great this was. And so once she experienced the king for herself, experienced the king for herself, she recognized what he was capable of. And when she recognized what he was capable of, she invested heavily into him. When you recognize what your king is capable of, you should invest heavily into him. 
She knew he was worth investing into because she knew that having a relationship with him would bring back much greater than what her original investment was. Did your head just go, (laughs) it should. So she invested in him heavily. In fact, uh, we're told in verse 13, Solomon gave her whatever she asked, and he gave her back beyond what traditional royal generosity would normally set be set to provide. He gave her back better. In other words, she gave to Solomon and and more came back than what she put in. That's amazing. And it wasn't just for her personally. More went back to her entire country where she ruled. It wasn't just for her. It went back to others as well. So now, then there's verse 11 in here. It kind of seems that when I'm reading it, it seems like it kind of interrupts the story somehow. It kind of doesn't seem to fit with the flow because suddenly we're hearing about King's, King Hiram's ships bringing almond wood and precious stones from a place called Ophir. Let's look at the map where Ophir is at. You can see Ophir down there. It's down around uh, Sheba's same region where she lived, southern part of Saudi Arabia. Apparently, verse 11 is reporting to us about a trade agreement that resulted from the queen's visit with Solomon. They apparently struck up a good deal. It caused trade. King Hiram's ship started doing better trade. More exchange was going on. That's the bigger blessing that came back. Now has reached all the way into the area of Ophir as well. So yeah, they struck up a trade deal from both sides of the agreement. She recognized this king is capable of so much. I need to invest everything in this guy. And it resulted in more than she thought would ever happen. So all this success came from the Lord, and it didn't come from slick-minded politicians. It came from the promise that God made with Solomon to make him honored and wealthy. The Lord said he was going to do this, and here it is. The Lord is doing what he said he would do. Friends, did you know that God promised you if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved? So what do you think is going to happen if you call upon the name of the Lord? You're not just going to get saved. You're going to get super saved. There's going to be an interaction. More is going to come back than what you put into it. Amen? So, but before anybody tries to misuse this passage, and I've seen people do it, to try to misuse this passage to mean that God exists to make you rich. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. Those guys that do that. Oh, just ask, you know, you'll be rich. Don't do that. Um, Hold on to yourselves for what's next before you draw any lines in the sand, because I'm going to show you a little more, okay? 1 Kings 10 and 14, the weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. That number alone bothers me, but anyway. Besides that, from the traveling merchants, from the income of traders, from all the kings of Arabia, and from all the governors of the country... And King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 600 shekels of gold went into each shield. He also made 300 shields of hammered gold. Three minas of gold went into each shield. The king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Now, do y'all remember me talking about the house of the forest of Lebanon? And I dramatized it because because I wanted you to remember, and hopefully you still do. <laughs> First off, okay, let's see here. Um, I, I really wonder here, how well can a shield made of gold really work when it's out in battle, when you think about it? 
uh, gold is a metal, it's very heavy, and it's also very soft, that it would be literally useless on a field of battle if you really took it out there and tried to use it. You really couldn't use it. And so the purpose of these shields was for parade use. It was kind of for getting out in the street and showing off a little bit. Uh, making these shields out of gold, in a sense, was a waste of, of, of that material. It was a misuse of the resources that God had given him. This gold should have maybe, could have maybe, used in some other better way. But I hope you remember what I said before, maybe a few chapters back, about the house of the forest of Lebanon. That house was one of the great structures that Solomon built to use as an armory. They put their weaponry in there. And Isaiah, the prophet, he spoke about a time that was yet ahead for Israel when they got, when Israel got off into such bad sin that the Lord made a proclamation against Jerusalem. He handed them over to a wicked enemy, a people that they wanted to be just like. And so when their enemy came to them, Isaiah 22 and 8, it says, you looked in that day to the armor of the house of the forest. In other words, you didn't call out to me. You had all the weapons in there that you trusted in more than me. You didn't ask me to help you. They trusted in their golden shields, their weapons, and all their armory to get them out of trouble. And of course, it didn't work out. God forgive us for doing the same thing. We get into a position where we trust more in what we throw in our bank account. They trusted in the house of the forest of Lebanon. So here in chapter 10... We see Solomon was stalking into the armory, which would eventually become more trusted than Israel's own God, the God who took them out of Egypt after 400 years of oppression. So the Lord said, remember, he said he would make Solomon wealthy and honored. But where did this start going wrong? Why would they eventually trust more in their moolah, in their money, than in the Lord, because we see it coming. I took you fast forward to the, where Isaiah said it would happen. First off, the Lord had set a standard that all of Israel's kings were supposed to keep. Remember, he come up to Solomon early. He said, if you obey me and do what I command you, things will be pretty good. But if you mess up and you don't walk with integrity, things are going to get rough. I want to show you some standards that Israel's kings were supposed to keep from Deuteronomy 17 and 14. I want you to understand why this was a bad move here with these shields and what all he was doing. It says, when you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. Now remember, they messed up at first and picked Saul, but then David got set in. One from among your own brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother, but he shall not... Multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. Wasn't wrong to have it. He wasn't supposed to multiply it for himself. Now, so God had implemented this structure of standards that Israel's kings were supposed to follow, and Solomon was starting to break that standard. The non-Israelite pagan wives that Solomon was starting to pick up on, we've already seen some of that. 
He, he married an Egyptian woman, first of all. He was not supposed to intermarry outside of the Israelites. That's, that's already happening. That's going to cause Solomon to follow their false gods instead of the God of Israel. And once the king went down that road, everybody behind him would follow. And then it would cause a big mess. So having lots of wives, that's one way Solomon was disobeying. But if you look into the future where Israel trusted more in their armory than in the Lord, that's obe- disobedience there too. That's a breaking of the standards as well. Okay, but now all this gold that the queen brought to Solomon here in 1 Kings 10, was there anything wrong with this? Or was this simply the Lord delivering on his promise to make him wealthy? Well, I say both. Because the Lord said he was going to make him wealthy. He was doing it. The Lord did make him wealthy, but the commandment said no Israelite king was allowed to multiply gold for himself. So, okay, I know we're kind of at a little paradox question here. So, Ray, how can God bless Solomon so much, but Solomon was not supposed to have it? Well, it's not that Solomon was not supposed to have it. God promised it, but God intended for Solomon to use this wealth to love his neighbor as himself. That's how he was supposed to utilize this wealth. Um, God intended Solomon to use this for others. The problem here is that Solomon used it to love himself. He multiplied gold. He multiplied silver, horses, and wives for himself, which was in direct violation to the standard that God had set for Israel's king. It's not sinful to be rich. What is sinful is what you do with it. It's okay to be rich. What you do with it is the problem. I've sat among millionaires before, didn't even know it when I was in Bible college. They came in and sat in class with us. They had nice suits and stuff, and they're asking me questions. Do you like the school and all that? So, yeah, I do. And then when they left, they said, Ray, you were talking to multimillionaires. I said, oh, that's cool. What were they doing in here? And they said, well, they invest in this Bible college. And they wanted to come in and sit in on a class to see, to make sure that what they were putting their money towards was going back out the right way. So what you do with it is the right thing or the wrong thing. What God gave Solomon was not for him to use on himself. Christian, what God gives you is not for you to blow it all on yourself. It's to be put back in the kingdom. It's kind of like the, you know, I think about the blue box in the back of the church. That's not for me to put my hands into it. As a matter of fact, you'll notice at the end of service, I don't touch that box. I got men that go back there and count it. I stay away just because that's my own little policy that I have here. I'm not to dip my hands into that. That is to be used for the church. And so that is a standard that I, as a pastor, I have to keep. Now, I don't get paid any more money if the giving increases, though. That's, that's, I, my hand doesn't go in there. That's not for me. That gets put into the church for the kingdom work. And so likewise, Solomon was already wealthy. He had his paycheck, so to speak, but he was not allowed to go past a certain point. He said they were not supposed to accumulate gold. But Hiram's ships came in with more gold and more gold. And it kind of makes me wonder if Solomon, knowing the standard to keep, he should have maybe respectfully declined maybe the 120 talents of gold that the queen sent him, or at the very least made a determination up front to use it for better purposes than making shields out of them. You can't use a shield of gold like that in battle. 1 Kings 10 and 18, it says, Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory 
and overlaid it with pure gold. The throne had six steps. The top of the throne was round at the back. There were armrests on either side of the place of the seat, and two lions stood beside the armrests. Twelve lions stood there, one on each side of the six steps. Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon, there it is again, were pure gold. Not one was silver, for this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. For the king had merchant ships at sea with the fleet of Hiram. Once every three years, the merchant ships came bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys. So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. Now, the Lord did deliver on his promise. That's, that's there. I'm not conflicting that. So let's divide that from what I'm also saying. The Lord promised it and there it went. But it's fascinating how Solomon had so much silver that it made sil- silver seem like it was no big deal. There was so much silver around. So you can definitely see an accumulation of gold that he was gaining. Even he made drinking cups out of gold. Now, when you include these various exotic animals, because I wanted to know why were these animals listed here? These exotic animals were likely pets used to make a fashion statement of the day. You notice uh, all the ivory that was brought in. Silver was brought, gold was brought. The the animals were mentioned to exclaim a top-notch fashion statement, so to speak. Again, this wealth was not to be used for his own use specifically. He had a commandment to abide by, but there seems to be a little bit of overreaching the limits here. Now, one thing I want to say before I move on, because I kind of know what this sort of sounds like. I am not trying to paint Solomon as a bad guy, okay? I'm not trying to do that. Uh, He's not some kind of a villain. I'm just trying to be real to the text of what I'm reading here, because it's trying to show us a problem that is starting to develop. I already took you in the future where they ran to the house of the forest of Lebanon and they did not call upon their God. You can see things are starting to happen. He's intermarrying. He's got all these wives. He's doing things he's not supposed to do. But there's the text is trying to show us that there is a problem that's starting to develop, a problem that's going to have a heavy cost for the Israelites later. So there's a lot of layers of disobedience here. The wives in her marriage accumulating the gold. We see that as a problem now. But I don't want you to get caught in the paradox of asking, why did God give him all this wealth if it's messing him up? I don't want that to be the question. God said he was going to do it. If you ask that question of Solomon, then you have to ask, why did you give all this wealth if it's going to mess Solomon up? If you ask that question, then you've got to ask the same question. Why did God put the tree in front of Adam and Eve if they weren't supposed to eat from it? It was a way to measure. It was a way to test. It was a test to measure them by. Solomon's wealth was supposed to bless Israel, but which way would Solomon go with this wealth? Which way was he going to go with it? Would Solomon use it to obey the terms that God gave him early in this chapter when he said, if you obey my commands, if you obey my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom. Or would Solomon disobey God with this wealth and violate the command that we read in Deuteronomy? The king shall not multiply wives, or he should not greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. It's, it's, it, I think of Adam and Eve. Here's this tree. Well, why put it here? Well, don't eat of it. It was to measure them. It was to measure what they were going to do with it. It's not wrong for the tree to be there. What Adam and Eve did with it was the problem. Solomon, he was going to be made wealthy. He already was. 
but the further accumulation, let's see what he's going to do with it. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set.